You are now listening to Mark's Unexplained World by Mark the Medium from Hinkley Community Radio, a non-profit podcast radio station. Tonight's episode is about the Avely alien abduction. So it's over to you now, Mark. On the 27th of October 1974, the Avis family from Essex were driving en route between Harold Hill and Avery to visit some relatives. As they travelled southward along Hatton Lane, about a mile away from Hornchurch, they noticed that the road seemed extremely quiet, especially for a Sunday evening, and then suddenly in front of them they saw an oval-shaped pale blue light off to their left. This light then seemed as if it had travelled along with them, as if it was actually following them. And then suddenly, at about 500 yards away from them, this blue light crossed the road in front of them. At first, the Avis family thought that the light might be coming from a helicopter, but... It was not long before the family began to realise that it was, in fact, coming from a UFO. When the family finally reached their destination, on checking their watches, they found that the expected time for their arrival, which should have been around 10pm on the Sunday evening, was now showing at 1am on the Monday morning. Somehow, three hours of time for the Avis family had simply been lost. Greetings, unexplainers. Thank you once again for tuning in to listen to another episode of Mark's Unexplained World. My name is Mark Hughes. I'm a psychic medium, a ufologist and a true crime buff. In this episode... I'm going to tell you about the unexplained story surrounding the Avery alien abduction. And this week's necessary disclaimer. This story is a tale that sadly involves themes like missing time and abduction. So it may be upsetting for some. As usual, you listen at your own discretion. Also, remember that all opinions and comments are strictly my own but the facts of the case still remain. I also apologise if I pronounce anything incorrectly. My English, although it is my first and only language, is really bad. That's it. That's it, I'm afraid. No excuses. It's just really bad. So, let's get back to this week's story. According to Wikipedia, Avery is a small town and formal civil parish in the Unitary Authority of Thurrocks, Thurrocks, sorry, in Essex, England, and forms one of the traditional Church of England parishes. Averley is 16 miles east of Charing Cross, and in the 2021 United Kingdom census, it had a population of just 9,801 people. 
it is located on the very edge of Greater London and is roughly bounded to the north and west by the London Borough of Havering. The nearest places to Avery are Purefleet, South Ockenden, Wennington and Rainham. One of the things that Averley is famous for is the Averley Mammoth. In, six, uh, sorry, in 1964, an amateur geologist, John Hesketh, found the remains of a late form of steep mammoth in a clay pit on Sandy Lane. The Natural History Museum excavated the site and uncovered what is the most complete mammoth skeleton found in the UK, along with a junior straight tusk elephant found lying beneath it. According to some experts, the animals were actually separated by 50,000 years and were originally thought to date back to 100,000 and 125,000 years respectively. But recent dating uh, techniques show that they died 200,000 and 250,000 years ago. Double that first thought. Avis family consisted of husband and father, John Avis, aged 32, wife and mother, Elaine Avis, aged 28, and their three children, Kevin, aged 10, Karen, aged 11, and Stuart, aged just seven. These ages are, of course, what they were at the time of the event. I should also point out here that, according to some websites, the names of uh, John and Elaine Avis, and possibly the names of the children as well, are possibly pseudonyms. It was a late Sunday evening on the 27th of October, 1974, and the Avis family had decided to take a drive out to see some relatives. The driving route they took was southward along Hackton Lane, about a mile from Hornchurch between Harold Hill and Averley. As the Avis family drove back from their destination on Hackton Lane, they noticed that the roads were very quiet, even for a Sunday evening. <laughs> Do you remember those days? <sighs> Suddenly, the wife and mother, Elaine Avis, noticed that the car was jerking violently and at the same time their ten-year-old son, Kevin, who was the only one of the children asleep, well, sorry, children awake, asked his parents about the light he could see above the houses. Both of the parents, John and Elaine Avis, glanced round and at an angle of about 25 to 30 degrees above the skyline, they saw an oval-shaped, pale blue, iridescent light. The parents later described what they saw and thought that it looked like a big star over the top of the houses to their left. This oval-shaped, pale blue, iridescent light to the left then not only followed them, but at about 500 yards away, suddenly crossed the road and stopped in front of them. The Avis family knew that this was not right and had a terrible feeling that something was wrong. 
Then suddenly, without warning, the engine and tyres to the family car fell silent and the car rolled on. The only sound that the Avis family could hear were the sounds coming from the car radio. Then, as the family car rolled silently through a bend on Averley Road, they could see around 30 yards in front of them and covering the whole road a thick mist or fog that they later described as being dense green and banked up to about 8 or 9 feet high. It was at this moment that the car radio started crackling and smoking. So, in a bit of a panic, the father, John Irving, started to pull out its wires. It's John Avis, actually, not John Irving. I don't know where that comes from. Sorry, John Avis. And then, as the car's headlights went out, the whole family, while still inside the car, entered the green mist. With two of the children, 11-year-old Karen and 7-year-old Stuart asleep and 10-year-old Kevin awake, the parents, John and Elaine Avis, recall that once inside the green mist, it was in fact very light, very cold and very silent, which was then followed by what they described as a tingling sensation. As far as John and Elaine Avis were concerned, they were only in the mist for what seemed like just a few seconds, when suddenly there was a sudden jolt forward from the car that was described as like a car going over a humpback bridge, and the mist was suddenly gone. And surprisingly, the car was now at least half a mile further down the road. After this first short break, in part two, we will look at what actually happened to the family and some of the other effects that affected them. Fright Nights was established in 1999 as the first company in the world to offer overnight ghost hunt experiences to the general public, pioneering paranormal events since the last century. Fright Nights operate at hundreds of the UK's most haunted and exclusive venues. All events have their own team of experienced paranormal investigators, mediums and psychics. They have a VIP members club for regular returning guests, offering loyalty discounts, and exclusive invitation-only events. They can also host private events for your family and friends. You can contact them on 07 852 998 628 or email them at office at brightnights.co.uk or take a look at their website at www frightnights.co.uk where you can see the many locations they investigate and learn about them and the opportunities they have available. Hundreds of ghost hunters join Fright Nights every month 
for the most thrilling ghost hunting experiences they'll never forget. If you haven't been on a ghost hunt before, then why not join them to see what it's all about? Why not visit their social media sites for up-to-date information on all the places they visit and to see what's coming up in the future? They look forward to seeing you all soon. Fright Nights Ghost Hunting Events. Remember, only the original will do. Avis family and the car, now an unexpected half a mile further down the road, the mother, Elaine, asked. Is everybody there? Herself and her husband, John, both felt very nervous and frightened. However, there were no apparent ill effects. Two of the children, 11-year-old Karen and 7-year-old Stuart, were surprisingly still asleep but ten-year-old Kevin was still wide awake. The rest of the trip back home was a very quiet journey in the car, with none of the family really talking about what had just happened to them. From what I can gather, the whole episode just provoked an atmosphere of we just want to get home as soon as possible. John and Elaine had expected to be back home at around 10.20pm. However, when they arrived home, it was 1am. This meant that there was nearly three hours of missing time that the couple could not account for. On an interesting side note, missing time is an intermediate period after which individuals apparently have no recollection of where they have been and what has happened to them. The phenomenon is common amongst a majority of people who claim to have experienced UFO abduction. Beginning with the earliest and best known alien abduction reports dating from the Roswell UFO incident in 1947, abduction victims have claimed memory lapses of several missing hours duration. Some of the other examples of this type of phenomena are Betty and Barney Hill from New Hampshire, who told of their 1961 abduction in the Interrupted Journey, and the Allagash Four, Chuck Rack, Charlie Foltz, and Jack and Jim Wayner, whose missing time experience occurred in 1976 in the remote Allagash River wilderness in Maine. And of course, not forgetting Arizona logger Travis Walton, who, in 1975, abduction was witnessed by several members of his work crew, which resulted in him disappearing for five days. Back when UFO reportage reached epic proportions, the actual abduction experience, with its accompanying missing time phenomena, had to be dealt with on a professional level. Both psychiatrists and psychologists, along with specialists in hypnotic regression and many veteran UFO investigators, jumped into the mix. Support groups for shared therapeutic discussion were formed and conferences for the study of the problems and experiences of abductees were set up in major US colleges and universities. 
Nowadays, missing time and abduction reports have become surprisingly commonplace. Sometime after the UFO encounter, and the Avis family started to witness strange and unnerving incidents around the family home. Some of these incidents included various objects levitating and disappearing. But not only that, a loud droning noise was frequently heard around the home after the midnight hour, and clicking noises like the sound of Morse code being tapped out would often be present in the living room and the bedroom. This was along with various other strange noises that could be heard around the home, including the telephone itself, which would often act in a peculiar way. There were also noticeable changes in the Avis family themselves. Before Christmas in that same year of the UFO incident in 1974, the father, John Avis, unfortunately had a nervous breakdown, which meant he had to stop working altogether as a carpenter and construction worker. However, all was not lost for him, as he then took on a vocational job, working with mentally handi handicapped people, some something he had wanted to do for many years. From all accounts, this new job fell into John Avis's lap, which is completely different from his usual hands-on carpentry and construction work, which he had been doing for most of his life. John Avis also managed to find his artistic side, as he also began to write poems about life. Wife and mother, Elaine Avis, also made quite a few life changes herself. She started to attend college and gained a lot more self-confidence. Additionally, John and Elaine Avis, along with two of their three children, all gave up eating meat and started to be more health-conscious about their nutrition with them all claiming that the taste of meat or fish was now making them feel unwell. John Avis, who had been a heavy smoker, usually 60 to 70 cigarettes a day at the time of the UFO incident, gave up smoking completely. And both John and Elaine, who both admitted that they used to enjoy a good drink, decided to give up drinking any alcohol altogether becoming teetotal. The couple also reportedly started to become much more environmentally conscious. Ten-year-old Kevin Avis's reading at school had been reported as backwards for his age. However, after the UFO incident, his reading was then reported as well beyond his years. Also, young Kevin Avis had reportedly seen a strange figure beside his bed, claiming that, on one occasion, it was similar in looks to that of a clown.
one of the people who took a strong interest in the Averly alien abduction case was a ufologist under the name of Andrew Collins. On a short interesting side note, Andrew Collins was and still is an extremely popular science and history writer, presenter and TV personality on the History Channel's Ancient Aliens and The Unexplained. He is also the author of books such as uh, the, the Black Alchemist, The Gobeki Tape, Genesis of the Gods and Beneath the Pyramids, and The First Female Pharaoh. Of course, these are just a small handful of the many titles he has under his belt. When Andrew Collins questioned both John and Elaine Avis, they admitted to both having strange dreams in which creatures would examine them on long tables. John Avis had dreams from which he could remember being operated on by what he could only describe at the time as gnomes. And his wife, Elaine Avis, could remember a dream in which she was lying on an operating table with a white-coated person of small stature standing beside her. She also remembered her husband John, herself, and one of their children, but I don't know which one, although my instincts tell me it was possibly ten-year-old Kevin, as he was the only child awake at the time, standing beside a car in a large room with curved walls. And whilst walking around the machinery, Elaine Avis also saw what she could only describe as men in, and I quote, Grey one-piece suits. And inside another room, containing the operating table, she described, and I quote, A small, ugly-looking person. So it was at this point Andrew Collins thought it would be a clever idea for the couple to have several sessions under hypnosis to see if they could remember anything else. Andrew Collins then spoke to hypnotist Leonard Wilder and asked him to carry out the hypnotherapy sessions on John and Elaine Avis and see if these strange dreams that the couple keep having were masking real alien abduction memories. On an interesting side note, hypnosis. Hypnosis is a human condition that involves focused attention or the selective attention hypothesis reducing peripheral awareness and enhance the capacity of the mind to respond to suggestion. During hypnosis, a person is said to have frightened fo sorry, heightened focus and concentration and an additional increased response to suggestion. Hypnosis usually begins with something called a hypnotic induction, which involves a series of preliminary instructions and suggestions. Whilst in its use as a form of entertainment for an audience, it is known as stage hypnosis or a form of mentalism. The use of hypnosis for therapeutic purposes is referred to as hypnotherapy which is what Andrew Collins is suggesting to Leonard Wilder to try to help them find the underlying cause of the Avis alien abduction. It is claimed that through regression analysis, 
Hypnotherapy works on the unconscious mind and helps to recover lost and suppressed memories, often in incredibly good detail, so that this in itself can give an individual much greater insight into their personal experiences. So if you do believe you have had a close encounter or an abduction experience, then this may actually help to get to the truth of what has really happened to you. After this second short break, we will look at the hypnotherapy sessions of John Avis and how he copes with the strange things that happened around him. This show is brought to you courtesy of Neil Packer and the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre. Find them online at www.hauntedresearchcentre.com or at 9211 Regent Street, Hinkley, LE101AW. Open on Saturdays from 10am to 4pm for guided tours of the haunted rooms at just £3 per person. Booking is essential at all times and over 16s only please unless accompanied by an adult. The haunted rooms are extremely haunted and paranormal activity could and has taken place at any time. Some areas and particular objects or items can be quite scary and unnerving. Membership is available for £25 to qualify for selective offers. And why not download the app available on both iOS and Android for only three ninety nine? to keep up to date with what is coming up at the centre. John Avis was the first to agree to the hypnotherapy sessions. Elaine Avis declined the sessions simply because she preferred to try and move on and forget the whole incident. Hypnotising young 10-year-old Kevin Avis was not an option, mainly due to his age and the impressions that any memories from the abduction may leave on his young mind. So... John Avis, being the only one of the family members to be put under under hypnosis, began to remember that as the car entered the green mist, he found himself in a big room with tall, peaceful beings in one-piece colourless suits who told him not to worry about the children. John Avis also recalled that these peaceful beings had pink eyes and communicated in bitelepathy. Sorry, telepathy. 
They then placed John Avis on a long table and ran a honeycombed bar-like instrument that was approximately 10 inches by 30 inches over his body. He remembered that there was a small being also present at the table, claiming that it had been, it was a, a cover, fur-like covering. The small being made what he described as chirping sounds and seemed to be serving the tall, peaceful beings. John then asked the peaceful beings where they had come from, so they proceeded to show him a, uh, and I quote, map, but not a map. And then the peaceful beings gave John Avis an explanation of how they travelled by replying with the phrase, and I quote, Almost instantaneously. They did explain in a few more details how they travelled, but John could not understand them. And if he is anything like me, I'm not really surprised. The peaceful being then gave him another explanation of which he could only remember the word Phobos. Just an interesting side note here. I, I don't know if this is really relevant to the case, but it's kind of interesting anyway. Phobos is the name given to the innermost and larger of the two natural satellites of Mars, the other one being, of course, Deimos. These two moons were discovered in 1877 by an American astronomer named Asaph Hall. It is named after Phobos, the Greek god of fear and panic, who is the son of Ares, or Mars, and the twin brother of Deimos. There now. Wasn't that interesting? Anyway, let's get back to the story. John Avis's first hypnotherapy session, his... Sorry, I'll tell that one again. After John Avis's first hypnotherapy session, I've got it right that time, his hypnotherapist, Leonard Wilder, informed the ufologist, Andrew Collins, that John was an excellent subject for hypnosis. So, without any hesitation, a second hypnotherapy session was arranged. In the second hypnotherapy session, John Avis recalled that when the car entered the green mist, a white beam cut through it and lifted the car. And the next thing he knew, they were in a very large room. He then remembered being examined by a being who was smaller than us, with big eyes and no visible mouth. Under hypnosis, John Avis claimed that while he was being examined, he had only encountered three of these beings. However, only one of them communicated with him. The being communicated to him that their propulsion system used a magnetic vortex. It is on record that John Avis had begun to answer with more information regarding this subject of a magnetic vortex. However, unfortunately, his responses at this point were somewhat incoherent. John then went on to ask the reasons for the being's visit to Earth, which the being replied to with, and I quote, No visit. We are here always. And then John Avis asked where the beings came from. They said, and I quote, There is no need for us to say 
We have no need to return home. We have more than one base. After John Avis was brought out of hypnosis, he said that at this point he felt that he was prevented from saying anything more surrounding the alien being's origin. Also, according to some websites, the hypnotherapy sessions were somehow starting to affect John in his everyday life, as it was becoming more apparent that some of the memories of the alien abduction were coming back to him outside of the hypnosis sessions. Andrew Collins did some sterling work on his reporting of the Avery alien abduction, staying with the family throughout their ordeal. And from what I can gather, Andrew Collins kept in close contact with the Avis family, even until much later after the UFO incident occurred. Unfortunately, John and Elaine Avis would sadly later separate with John Avis moving up to Scotland to live with a new partner. I do feel I should point out here that from what I have found during my research, there are some reports claiming that John Avis was either uneducated or unskilled. Now, although I have never met him personally, I do tend to disagree with his character reference, because from what I can gather, he appears to have been a highly intelligent man. Not only was he a carpenter and construction worker, but he was also a writer and a man who not only wanted to help disabled people, but ended up doing just that. This case is extremely popular with UFO enthusiasts all over the world, and is often discussed at great lengths at UFO conventions and online forums. And whatever you feel about John Avis or his alien abduction incident, there is no denying that something did happen to him and his family that night. And whatever it was, it changed their future lives completely. It has been said, or rumoured, that John Avis would like to be more involved with the UFO community. But apparently, every time he tries to do so, something strange always seems to happen to either him or another member of his family. It seems that since his UFO encounter, he has witnessed or been the victim of a whole catalogue of strange events, which even he still finds hard to understand. I'm going to end this show with one last interesting side note. It appears that this is not the first UFO encounter that John Avis has witnessed. Unfortunately, I could not find a lot of information regarding this other UFO incident, but here goes with what I can find. One night in 1968, whilst he was driving along a highway, he noticed a UFO in the sky, which not only made several car lights and engines fail, but also caused a collision. There, that's it. That's all I could find. Sorry, guys. But I still think it was worth pointing out because to me, John Avis witnessing another UFO incident is no real surprise. I mean, let's be honest, 
there are some witnesses, abductees or experiencers who spend most of their lives being prone to the unexplained or other various forms of strange phenomena. Thank you all for taking the time out to listen to this episode of Mark's Unexplained World. In our next episode, show number 87, we are going to be looking at the Therac 25 incident. The Therac 25 was a computer-controlled radiation therapy machine that was produced by Atomic Energy of Canada Limited back in 1982, after the Therac 6 and the Therac 20 units both failed. It was involved in at least six accidents between 1985 and 1987, in which patients were given massive overdoses of radiation. Because of concurrent programming errors, also known as race conditions, it sometimes gave its patients radiation doses that were hundreds of times greater than normal, which resulted in death or significant injury. This show was written and researched by myself, Mark Hughes and proofread and edited by Linda Hughes. The pronunciation of all the names and places, though, was all mine. The actors in this episode were Mark Hughes, Linda Hughes and Denise Pooler. With special thanks to Neil Packer and the staff at the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre in Hinckley, and a big thank you to everyone for listening. Mark's Unexplained World, because there's more to the paranormal than meets the third eye. And remember, guys, keep it real. Because being real is better than being perfect. This show and all its contents are covered by basic copyright of Mark the Medium. <laughs>